It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Tuesday, May 30th. Hope everybody had a good Memorial Day weekend. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. And we've had a bunch of news, actually, in the last week, uh, specifically, most recently, Devin Ford, the running back out of Penn State, will transfer to Notre Dame with two years of eligibility remaining. Logan Thomas, just about right after we had our podcast last week, uh, came on board for Notre Dame defensive end, very good athlete. And then also Notre Dame uh, seems to be well positioned for defensive tackle Sean Seviano. It appears that Notre Dame has chosen him over Owen Wafel, who had been verbally committed. We'll get into more of that here in a bit. But let's start with Devin Ford. Watched a bunch of film of him. Uh, truth be told, he was beaten out by a couple of really good running backs at Penn State, including Nicholas Singleton, who I think we all loved and wanted to see in a Notre Dame uniform. Uh, but Devin Ford can play. He hasn't had a lot of uh, activity in game situations since early in his career at Penn State. But considering Notre Dame lost Logan Diggs and need a running back, I think Devin Ford's a, a, a pretty good replacement. Yeah, I don't really... He's not a replacement for Diggs for me. He was an absolutely necessary separate ad because Diggs was one of the top 10 players on the roster for me when we do our countdown. Um, once they lost him, 90% through no fault of their own, Notre Dame, let's be fair. I mean, sometimes you lose a guy and it's your fault. 90% this was this was Logan Diggs' decision to, to for a long time coming. So I don't think they replace him. I think they replaced the position. Totally necessary to do it. You could not go into it with... History of injury to Bram Payne, though he seems healthy now. Audric Estime seems like a very sturdy guy, but the way he runs, you know, obviously he's going to need a break every once in a while after moving Chris Tyree. And then I love Jeremiah Love, and I know Pete did too in our rankings, but I don't think we were saying necessarily year one because they had digs when we rated him so high. Yeah, I think it's like you have Audric Estime over here, and then you have Love, Payne, and Price over here. And Devin Ford is also over there with those three guys. So it, it just gives you another guy who might help you. Um, it doesn't give you a guy who will help you um, the way that if, you know, Audric SMA will be Notre Dame starting running back. But instead of having three options for RB2, now they have four. So I, I think that's in terms of a position that's as violent and volatile as running back. I think that's a, it's a smart move. Um Two years of eligibility, especially if Audric Estime rushes for 1,200 yards this year, there will be an open. There could be an open job at that spot. And Jared Parker spent a year with Devin Ford at Penn State, so he should know a little bit about him that way too. I like a lot of the things that Ford brings to the equation. A lot of them are intangible things. Well, first of all, he is a north-south runner. I mean, I love his approach. He is not going to veer off of that path if he doesn't have to. He hits, I, I think one of his greatest assets is his vision. When he sees the hole, he, he or when the hole is there, he sees it and he hits it. Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I, somebody, I don't know, some ARMS sports said he wasn't really good between the tackles. What I saw of him, I thought was 
was good and physical between the, the tackles. I mentioned the intangible things. He overemphasizes securing the football. When he's involved in play action, he runs it 100%. When he swings out of the backfield, he runs it 100%. I like to see those little intangible things that I think, you know, make a make a good player that much better just because he tends to all the details and, and plays hard. What have you guys seen of him? Well, I didn't want to overstate the Diggs thing because you're not replacing him. You you, you needed the intangibles. You needed a veteran runner you could count on. Uh, Vodrick Estime twists his ankle when you're playing at Clemson or hurts him or, or or playing Ohio State or you're in the weeds at Duke when that happens. You can rely on him for five carries. But the Ford pickup for me is more about Jadarian Price than it is Logan Diggs. I would if agree. Jadarian Price were fully healthy and ready to roll. You'd still need a running back in Ford, but they really pushed for a running back all of a sudden. They wanted, they went, it's, this is the third choice, right? They went through three, not third choice. They had third option. They were going through running backs. Matt, as Pete brought up, Mathis. I think it is the health of the room more so than look at this championship piece is a wrong way to say it because I don't think we're saying that. It, it's almost a miracle you get a solid running back in the portal right now in June. But with yeah, two years ago, no, it's just, left. it's a piece of the, that's like yeah. the way I think it's like, the way I described it earlier is like Ford is with love and price and pain over in this group. And you, you just hope two of those guys will hit for you. Um, it does, you don't even need, it doesn't matter which two um, you just need two. And like the odds of hitting two out of four are better than hitting two out of three. So I think that's, it's just, it's a, this is a math question for Notre Dame. Um, and so I think taking somebody like Ford makes a lot of sense that way. I look at him a little bit differently. And Tim, I hear what you're saying about not a replacement for Logan Diggs. Logan Diggs was 1A. I get that. And I'm not saying that Ford is that now. But I think that he's a guy that can be the number two guy if, and I didn't want to get too deep into this with Jadarian Price. We mentioned that, you know, maybe his rehab from his Achilles is not as far along as had hoped. But those are long, those can be long recovery injuries. And we'll get more into that about price in the second segment. I've got a little bit something mm-hmm. specific on it. I think there's a bit of an overreaction. I just said he's not where they had hoped he would be. That doesn't mean he won't be ready in the fall. It doesn't mean that he will either. I'm just saying that with an Achilles, sometimes the process is a little bit longer than you would expect. And I think that that's where Notre Dame finds themselves. But I, I look Ford. Okay. First of all, and these are just numbers. I get it. And I'm going to mention the Idaho game, which was his first game in a college uniform. And he went 81 yards on the score. But as a freshman, he had a 20-yard run against Maryland, a 20-yard run against Purdue, a 16-yard run against Michigan State, a 19-yard run against Indiana. Then in 2020, he had a 23-yard run against Ohio State, a 15-yard. You get my point. He Yeah, the highlight off, tape. Off. I like the highlight tape more after the 81-yard run. I couldn't tell if he was fast, slow, a burner, yeah. super medium, or anything. They're all just dudes chasing that can't show, catch him. I think it's... he shows acceleration when he hits a hole. I don't want to overplay. Yeah, I, like I think you're trying. I, I don't want to overplay it, but I, I mean, I, I think that there's a pretty good football player there yeah. that's more than a five-carry-a-game guy if Price isn't isn't ready to roll. I think yeah. they'd be far away from what they were with Price, even where I think Price needs to be ready to roll in as Pete. And I think I think we talked about those last time, Pete and Tim, by week three, week four, right? Week three. So you're ready for week four. Yeah. And those like uh, talking to a surgeon about Achilles recoveries, like at 12 months, you're you're back doing stuff. 
but oftentimes it's 18 months when you're back back all the way and like 18 months is after next season yeah so, crawford beat that crawford beat that timetable we, we should point out yeah it's like was crawford as good as he was before I, mean, I don't know um it was injury number two i don't know that's yeah it's kind of you know that's it, it's kind of hard to there are too many variables there to sort of make a firm comparison but um i think you just you give yourself some more time with price uh by bringing in ford i would you know it's like is ford going to give you more than jabron Payne? probably um but you know if jabron Payne's it's like jabron Payne had a high school injury so that's his sort of if uh, Jaron Price is if is obvious. He's got the Achilles. Jeremiah Love, freshman transitioning to college, big if there. Devin Ford. I mean, clearly he got beat out the last two years, not just by the freshman on the team last season. Um, so there's there's an if there too. But again, you just need two of those guys to come good. Um, and it, it doesn't matter which two. You just need two. Yeah, I just want to. I I think Jeremiah Love is a spectacular athlete. I, I don't know too many people that would would argue right. that. I don't, I think we still need to find out whether he's going to be a real quality college football player. Agreed. Sure. I, I think if they knew that they wouldn't have brought, they would right. have been yeah. searching. for. Uh, I, agree. I agree. I mean, I think, you know, clearly the athleticism is there, but is he going to be in a position to make a significant contribution this fall? I would say probably not just because the learning curve, look, we didn't, I mean, the knock on him going into his senior year was it doesn't he didn't run between the tackles. He didn't show physicality. I think he showed that his senior year, but that that still is something that's a work in progress. So no doubt, great athlete, but let's see just how good of a football player he'll become. Ahead of or behind Tyree at the same entry stage of their careers, would you say? I would say behind in terms of fundamental running back play. Okay. That's that's all I would say about I would that. I agree. Um, well, we can we, look, we'll talk more about Jadarian price. I don't want to be an alarmist about this, but it, he has an Achilles and I think there's some stiffness in that, in the, in the, um, calf muscle. This is what I have been told some stiffness in the calf muscle, um, which ties in, um, you know, to the Achilles. And, and so it's just going to, it's going to take a little bit, uh, more time. So they got Devin Ford and, and that's a, I think that's a, Consider again, here we are in May. That's a hell of a solid addition to your running back core to get a running back of that of that caliber. Logan Thomas um joined the fold last week. I like him a lot. I think there are some other really strong pass rushers on Notre Dame, some Viper ends on Notre Dame's recruiting list, but I like Logan Thomas. He needs to gain, he's gonna need to gain a little bit of weight. He was playing about 210 as a junior. But I think when you add everything up, that's a that's a pretty good pass rushing prospect. Yes, and uh, when you say you like some more Viper ends, I think it'd be nice to entertain them because both uh, both will be the theme of the rest of this segment, and both is a theme here. Uh, they need Jordan Batello, I believe, if he has a decent year as a true senior, would elect to pursue the NFL. I, people say, well, why would he go pro when he could come back and dominate? I think because. I think we've learned enough about people's personalities where I am going to say Jordan Botello with a good year will try to go pro as a graduated senior from Notre Dame. <laughs> so then you're looking into <clears throat> the backups we like but have no idea about because they're converted linebackers moving to Viper. I think you got to keep stocking that position, Tim. And I, I like Thomas too, but you 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 absolutely overstock that position if you can. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean they haven't signed enough like pure vipers. 
You know, right. it's like, that's not a position where I want to create a Viper. Like, cause like Isaiah Foskey is built like a certain way and it's hard to find that body type. Um, and I'm not even saying that, um, you know, they're adding that in Logan Thomas, like he's not built like Isaiah Foskey, but like that, that's a position where length and range and wingspan really matters. And it's hard to just like, well, we're going to move this middle linebacker there and hope, and because he's a good pass rusher, I, I realize there are short pass rushers all the time, but um, it's good to start getting a few more true Vipers in there. Yeah. You need <laughs> the, in addition to Logan Thomas, they're pursuing Elijah rushing, who is about yes. a Viper as there is. And Malachi Williams too, is another guy that is just, brimming with athleticism and ability his game probably isn't quite as honed in as maybe elijah rushing uh as far as a pass rusher but they're both you know both both really spectacular potential pass rushing guys and i think logan thomas kind of fits in there as well maybe a little bit of a, a, a smaller version not not it's not that he's not long he's only about <clears throat> excuse me about 210 now but uh, really nice catch for Notre Dame. I did want to get into the the big controversy of last week when Notre Dame <laughs> backed away or Owen Wafel backed away or Michigan visit or how whatever happened exactly. Um, Owen Wafel is no longer verbally committed to Notre Dame. I thought he was a really unique, really rare candidate for uh, several positions, but probably a three technique. And when I first saw a film of Sean Seviano, I was like, what? What are we doing here? And I think he was just learning how to grow into his body and play into his body. But I saw some other film, which I think raises his profile and gives him a chance to be a pretty unique player because he's he's a big dude. He he looks more like nose tackle than anything. Uh, but at his best, and I think he's trending upward. I, I think there's a, a the potential for a very special interior defensive line player there. I can't get over the fact that it's May 30th and supposedly a choice had to be made. Why well, would you need to make I mean, a choice? Because things are accelerated these days. I Just pick, not, take them both. Let the choice be made for you well, later I on. Don't, I don't disagree with that. I do There's not no reason, if indeed that. it was a mutual parting, which it seems like, I don't see the mutual part of Notre Dame, the value of it. I don't see the value of parting with someone on May 30th if he could help you in the future. And then you learn over time, ah, he's going to decommit. We need another guy inside instead of him. It's it's a different world down to recruit, and he can leave at any point, including the next 18 months, which is when most of these guys will leave after you've brought in multiples and you realize which one's the best. Or at any point after that, he could leave. Right. So once he enrolls, he could leave. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it seemed odd. Um and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to read into this that Notre Dame did a spring eval of him and we're like, uh, we're not seeing what we want to see anymore. Um, you know, because that happens from time to time. Sure. Like yeah. you take somebody and then you re-scout them and you're like, ooh, we made a mistake. And it's and you're better off sort of admitting that now uh and moving on. So I, I don't know if that's the case with Owen Wafel or not. Um but I look it. If you're the ultimate optimist on this one, and I'm not, but let's just pretend for a second. Maybe it says something about how you feel about Justin Scott. I'm just going to throw it out there. Just going to throw that out there. Well, 
<laughs> no, it's fair to say that. I was I was going to say something similar to it. I, it as we all know, you cannot assume that you're going to get Justin. No, Scott. no. If you get Justin Scott, Tim, you'd still like Owen Wayful, right? Yes, that's the point. <laughs> I get, no, I get it. I, I, when I, Alabama I, got I, four of the top ten rush ends in the country, they didn't say, oh, shoot, we better process one of these guys, uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, you need the talent. to You need the talent. Remember, Notre Dame is open scholarships right now. Okay? They started with 94 back in December after Joe Wilkins left. How are they going to get down to 85, Out Jim? The world. Well, don't worry about that ever again. <laughs> so Never again, more. no. It's not your point. I, I'm glad that this, the, the second edition of film was much more enjoyable. Because <laughs> I, I saw your response. I was like, ooh, actually, man, Tim I is not nearly that. Have you seen the, the, yes, the really because, good Because stuff of your response, else? your first response was, I don't see this at all. All I was thinking at first was, yeah, I really like Wayful too. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Better look at yeah. Saviano here. And I could, I'm glad that you had changed your opinion on that one because yeah, me too. Me too. Because I, yeah. I mean, the first stuff that I saw, he'd lock up, he wouldn't move his feet, he'd try to win a wrestling match, and I'm like, seriously, you guys are. And I don't even <laughs> really know now. In retrospect, I don't even know at what point of his high school career that was. But sure. uh, you see him in camp settings. He's got a great motor. I'm not saying he's going to be a great player, but I think that he's got some skills that could really set him apart. But I also kind of felt that way about Wakeful too. Now this is a bit, this is a bigger, bigger, faster. I also feel that way about the guy they tried to kind of move on from. And he's still on the team in Aiden K and I, I don't understand the move away from that body type to the move I, to this body. No, type. I agree. But I don't think that he has the overall, overall athletic ability that Seviano has flashed up to this point. He can surf. I know that, that, I don't know if that counts, but there's well, that yeah. no, that yeah, that kind of does, doesn't it? Does kind of no, it does kind of count. Yeah, well, Darnell Ewell was a great swimmer. We all read and we all missed on that one. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to veer off real quickly here. Just a, a basketball note: Tade Davis, power forward from Seton Hall, had averaged about 14 minutes a game last year. You know, it's a it's a crystal ball cast by 24/7 Sports. Tom Loy. Um, Tay Davis uh, from Seton Hall coming to Notre Dame. They need him. I, I, you know, I keep seeing, well, God, I love what Michael Shrewsbury is doing with the roster. He's, he's collected the low hanging fruit up to this point. You have to though. You do have to. I, I, no, I agree. And, 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 and that's what he's done. I'm not saying Tay Davis is that that's, that's branching off a little bit, but I believe he has three years of eligibility left. So we'll see if something comes of that, but before we uh, wrap up this segment, Notre Dame baseball missed the NCAA tournament, lost five of the last six. At that point, did not deserve to make the NCAA tournament. And so now, basically, the College World Series team and the the one that won the South Bend Regional a couple of the year before that, that, that group is pretty much gone. So we'll see what happens with, uh, with Sean Stifler's team moving forward. But disappointing finish to that season. And then wrapping up in this segment with uh, – Kevin Corrigan. I've known Kevin Corrigan since he took over as head coach of Notre Dame in, in 1989. Uh, I know when guys win national titles or do great things, you say great things about them, but in his 35th year, I mean, to me, Kevin Corrigan's always been the ultimate Notre Dame guy. You can't tell me that he hasn't had offers to go back East and coach established powerhouse lacrosse programs. And he's never done it. I'm thrilled for him. Uh, to win a national title in his 35th year as head coach in Notre Dame. 
we talked offline, right? And you never hear a bad word about the guy. I have family friends that love them. And you could see the the pure joy in the crowd was actually kind of made you think of this is what you've always wanted to see from sports. The joy they had for that was fantastic. And it's great that Notre Dame fans can watch something else and enjoy uh, because that was a that was a fun two day run for uh, for those of us that tuned in with two days. I'm, I don't want to minimize the fact there are many people that tuned in a long time ago. Yeah, it's exciting. If you are looking for something to do in South Bend in the spring, I highly rec- recommend going to lacrosse. Uh, it's a great spectator sport, especially if you young kids like I do. Uh, Tate was absolutely enthralled by what was happening. Um, it just, yeah, it's a they have a great product over there. Kevin Corden's done an amazing job. Um, I think the university has really supported it over the years. Um, yeah, it's a great it was it was a great story. The Kavanaugh brothers, an incredible story. Um, you know, Liam Edmond, their goalie, yeah. an incredible yeah. story. Like, I still don't understand how any goalie saves any lacrosse shot ever. Um, <laughs> know, but yeah, really... just just a great be... it was just a great scene all the way around. Uh, Virginia and Duke games were wild to watch. You gotta be nuts to choose that job. Oof. Not enough padding either. I, yeah, that's no what my, my son Declan was like, do they wear enough pads? <laughs> I, like, I don't know, actually. Not, really. Question. not really. I had an opportunity to come back from Jacksonville. I flew the flight home. I was directly across the aisle from, from Kevin and Liz Liz Corrigan and visited with them on, on the flight home. And like I said, I've known Kevin since he was a pup. We were both pups back back then and uh, and really happy for him to, to win a national title. Coming up, segment two, burning up the boards. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Segment two of Burning Up the Boards, our first question is from Denver Maximus. How would you rate the quality of players Notre Dame has brought in via the portal? The volume is not there, but the ones they have brought in have addressed a specific need. And the second question, which players brought in from the portal not named Hartman will ND be thankful for most? They have one, two, they have Hartman, Ford, JJB, Harper, Carter, Caleb Smith didn't pan out. Then you have your punter and kicker. And Tim, where are they scholarship-wise now? Are we at 83? We're at 83, and Krim is not a scholarship guy, though. Krim's not um, a scholarship yep. guy. But that, he is a, he's a, they should always, I think Pete mentioned this, they should always bring in a graduate transfer punter and kicker every single season, unless they end up with the next Justin Yoon. And then you could still bring in the other position as the as the player because there's no reason not to challenge your scholarship punter and kicker. Yeah, I, like like right now, like uh, Denver Maximus said, you know the volume's not there. Well, there's two spots open. It would have been one had Caleb Smith right around. Um, you know, I mean, there is a cap on how many you can bring in because you ultimately are at 85, and I'm sure the roster's not 
Are they going to lose anybody, anybody else from the roster between no, now? If, and, I don't oh, think so. Now I, mean, I can finally no. say no. <laughs> I'll say no. no now. I'll yeah. say no for the first time ever. I will say no, which means there is. A, I would still take the over of 0.5 if I had to, though. But <laughs> so, if, what if I told you this six months or whatever, five months ago, Notre Dame will bring in two safeties through the portal, a punter, a kicker, a wide receiver, quarterback, and a running back. They won't bother with a tight end or an offensive lineman. I think your only complaint would be, wait a minute, why didn't they get a run-stuffing defensive lineman? Right, right. Which they still would be a nice thing to do for your spot number 84. But as I think we all pointed out, the spring changed their view on the run-stuffing defensive lineman probably. they I think they like their players in there. No, I would agree. I think they'd still want, as we mention every podcast, I think they'd still like to get the Fisk kid from from Western Michigan that went to Florida State. That's that that would be my only uh, you know, hesitation to say because I think you know, we know Hartman. I think Ford's a quality running back. If JJB can rush the passer, great. Uh, they need that very, very desperately. Harper looks like a good solution for for nickel. Carter's a solution somehow, some way, in some capacity. I don't know. You know, I mean, I I, I don't the day that Nordings bring in 20 transfers is. I think, yeah. When I mean, I don't. I think that's a bad. That that means it's a bad situation that they're not getting. They're not recruiting the way they need to recruit, and or, you know, players are leaving the program in droves. Yeah, I would say I would disagree with Denver Maximus. Like the volume is there. This is the most transfers they've ever brought in. Like so, if that's not volume, I don't know what is. Um, you know, into the Hartman situation is like you you know, which players not named Sam Hartman. Like I, I reject that question. Like, because Sam Hartman is that important to like, what's everything else comes down to Sam Hartman. And like the other guys are sort of ancillary supplementary players. I'm not saying they won't help, but like, if you, if you said like, would you rather have Sam Hartman or these other six guys? I wouldn't think twice about that. Now, okay. Let me, so. let me phrase it this way. Who is the best player of the transfers outside of Hartman? Who will have the greatest impact in good health? I'll say Harper for this year. If he is shoulder, if his shoulder is healthy. And you know, when you talk about Harper and Carter, both go and kind of move into safety, Harper's playing nickel. That's a corner. So Notre Dame brought in every position except for offensive line, tight end and linebacker on the team. Yeah. I, I, I go Jean Baptiste, but I mean, again, I know he didn't really do much in spring practice, but they, they, the body type is very unique Mm -hmm. to that position group. And he's done it at least a little bit at a high level at Ohio state. So I always take, you know, the most important position after a quarterback is probably pass rush. So I would, and that's fair. And I I think those are good picks too. I would say Carter, I think Carter's skill set is the best. Of the, of those other of those other guys, I think it'd be nice if it's a three way tie for a very high number two. Yeah, yep. it sure would be. And you know, I you know, I when I say that, I recognize that he's coming from Rhode Island and he wasn't playing against right. best competition. But when you isolate on that player, that that defensive back, that athlete, I think he's the most talented of the others. Uh, not named Hartman. Question from the second stringers what are your thoughts on the athletic profiles that Notre Dame has recruited in the 2024 class compared to the 2023 class is it enough to hang with the elite programs in college football 
I mean, it's doesn't it's not going to compare to the Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State athletic <laughs> profiles right now. Those are the elite programs in college football. Yep. Yeah, I'd, I I like that they focused a little bit more on some length on the defensive line. Um, I think that's a, a positive change. But other than that, I'm not sure that I see like a big profile change year over year or even Brian Kelly to Marcus Freeman year over year. You know, they certainly have been a lot better at receiver, but I'm not sure how much that has to do with that coach. I think it has to do with the receiver's coach. So I I don't know. I have a, I have a hard time seeing a lot different. And like, yeah, it's Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, especially Alabama and Georgia are just in a different recruiting group right now than Notre Dame. So it's kind of hard for me to sit here and say like, oh, they're they're closing the gap with how recruiting is going. Okay, the the question is about athletic profiles. Okay, um, Canyon receiver makes a difference. I think that's a good call up uh, that you guys bring up the the receiver athletic profile, including the last class too. I I mean he's trying to. I thought the last class receiver athletic profile was quite good in twenty twenty three, but it is even longer. It's more impressive athletically speaking, I guess in twenty four because Rico's Flores is more of a player than an you know impressive athlete. It, as a senior in high school. Um, I still don't, other than, other than wide receiver, I still don't, I don't, I don't think there's a major change. I mean, they're yeah, getting I, some length. Their three-star guys have more length than three-star guys have sometimes. Like Drew White was great, but he would have a bad athletic profile coming in. Drew White had a poor athletic profile coming yeah, in with David I, Adams. I, I mean, if the, if the criteria is athletic profile, I mean, you can say what you want about Teddy Rezac. You can't. You can't say he's not a good athlete, right? right. You can't. You can't say that that Cahoon's not a good athlete or Urlacher's not a good athlete. Um, you know, I guess I'm 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 trying to make an argument here. I mean, Isaiah Canyon, Gilbert, Logan Thomas, Cam Williams, Aeneas Williams, and then the guys that they're still pursuing that they have a great chance at. Styles Prescott is an offensive tackle. Um, Keeley, Bowen, Dante Moore, Hillman, they were going after all those guys too. Yeah. That's... Throw out Dante Moore. Throw out Dante Moore. Keeley, I mean, Bowen. Justin Scott, Rushing, Viliamuasa, Carter Nelson, the tight end that they have a, a chance of getting. I'm probably oh. focusing too much on 23. I still like the 23 profiles that Notre Dame was recruited on. So maybe I should yeah, say I, compared to 21 or something like that. I had 23. Like last year's, their corners were really good. They had very good length of the defensive line. It was a very good receivers class. Like, I don't, I guess I don't see a big, I don't, I don't know know what the difference is from last year to this year. I mean, are this year's linebackers going to be better than last year's linebackers? Probably not. So, I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't make an argument this class is going to be as good as last year's, but last year's was really good. Yeah, and I, I don't, Pete, I'm not sure that you're aware of this, but Tom Loy threw a, a crystal ball on, Bronte Johnson, uh, which kind of came out of the blue, the guy that's a receiving mm-hmm. defensive back. He's a yeah. He was at Irish I, Illustrated. Yeah. I mean, he was an Irish that. invasion. He was at Irish invasion. Yeah, you like yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, so I think that there's still my my point being that there are still a lot of really good athletes out there that Notre Dame has an excellent chance of getting. Now I know that you're not going to get all of them, and you may get one who commits and then verbally or decommits or you know I don't know, but I, I don't I don't think that there's a Again, I think this is based upon this is a recency yeah. issue. You know, Cahoon, linebacker, 
I, I, he looks very quick to he looks very quick to me from point A to point B. I, I'm not really sure. If you re-ask the question with 21, what if you try that? Well, I think that's I think that's a different. Yeah, that's a that's a different story. I do. Yeah. Last year they signed <laughs> nine top 200 players. Right now they have three committed. So like, what's you know if they get Bronte Johnson and you know some other big Prescott. time guys on the stretch, like it, it's going to be hard to match last year's class. But that's fine. Last year's class was really good. So if they match it, then they'll have two really good classes in a row. Like that's kind of what you're looking to do if you're Notre Dame. A couple of questions put together. Uh, first one from G.R. Smith. Any rumblings on Notre Dame getting the Maris file from the North Carolina game of 2020? Or should we expect similar results to what we saw this past year? And then from John Delvick 3, anything on what we can expect from Jalen Sneed for the 2023 season? I put those two questions together because I think we may find Leofile playing outside a little bit more. Uh, which is likely where Jalen Sneed spends time as well. I'm thrown off. I liked what I saw from Sneed in the spring, and I think they probably felt comfortable enough to not really care too much about what Prince Kali was doing. If Prince Kali told him he wanted to leave early in the spring and they were fine with that, they must like what Jalen Sneed has done since ascending in November, basically that time frame. I'm always thrown off, though, on the Leofile Sneed thing because I think Pete has a good information that Jack Kaiser's going to play a lot of Will this year. Um, yeah. And I like Sneed at Will more than Rover. So, Tim, I think you're right. I think packages might be involved for Sneed and Leofile to do that 2020 havoc on on, yeah, on opposing definitely. offenses. And I and I think Leofile's skill set can serve him best off the edge. I know a lot of Notre Dame fans didn't like him just slamming into the line of scrimmage and not getting through. I think he can use his athleticism off the edge. Um, we can get, I think we have another question about linebackers that I want to save some, some commentary on. Yeah, we do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see, I, I, I think it's the right move to put Kaiser inside. I think a Kaiser Bertrand duo inside. I mean, those are two guys that find the football an awful lot. So, uh, you know, I, and again, I think we mentioned this. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. Maris Leifel has a, been a starter for one year. I think there's a lot of a lot of good football and a better football player in there than what we saw at times uh, last season. Yeah, I'd, I, I would like to see a little bit of Leifel, but he should not lead the team or defense at snaps. I, I would. Um, I think yeah. Tim and I can will agree with you on that. Yeah, one. that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, but to say like, you know, the North Carolina game is going to be replicated multiple times. Like we just, we saw it one time in one game, two, three years ago. Like we kind of saw it in this North, not this, what the North Carolina game this year, he played his best game too. They're his two best games of all time or two North Carolina games. North Carolina game was a very specific role of clogging up. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Of smashing into the line and clogging up passing lanes. Yeah, but but in a way that we liked it. In a way that we kind of liked it more. It was great. I'm I am not giving up on Maris Leofow. I still think that there's (laughs) a a lot to be gained there. I get the criticism from last year. I certainly do, but you know, I just don't I don't give up on players as quickly as fans do. If you generally football players that you know have ability get better with playing time. That's kind of what I'm that, you know, Maris Leofov in that respect, 
isn't much different than a lot of football players. Next question is Gipper 11. What is the status of Jadarian Price's recovery? Okay, here's what I've heard. And it, it, it involves, and I'm not sure that I've ever discussed the soleus muscle before that starts at the top of your calf and works its way down to the Achilles. But what I was told was that the, it's the soleus muscle that hasn't quite bounced back yet. It causes stiffness and tightness in the calf. And that's that's where he is. I, I'm not I'm not saying that he's not going to be able to play this year or anything like that. But sometimes rehabs are quick. Sometimes they're they're not, and sometimes they follow the the you know the natural course of recovery from an injury. I I, I just I, what I had heard was they had hoped he would do more side to side cutting in the spring, and they weren't comfortable quite mm. yet with that as as spring came to a close. Quick time frame on this. I looked it up the other day. Uh, it was reported by everyone June 24th, which means it happened around June 22nd. If you recall, there was the whole hubbub on, or hubbubaloo. How'd you say that word? Hubbubaloo? On yeah, Twitter hullabaloo about, or hullabaloo hubbub. about us reporting it uh, too early because it had not been officially reported to the world. So June 24th, recovery. Um, he is not at 12 months yet. I think the only thing we should say about Price's recovery is that when Logan Diggs transferred out and everybody said it doesn't matter, this is because Jadarian Price is so great, that theory has been 100% completely debunked because yeah. that was just a false statement. <laughs> and Jadarian Price has a ways to go, and it'd be great if he comes all the way back because, boy, do we love Jadarian Price that we saw pre-injury. Yep. Pete, do you have any intel on, on his injury? No. I mean, that I, I don't... You're not aware just, of his soleus muscle. I'm not aware of the soleus muscle at all. That's not my not my area of expertise. I just like what I said in the first segment. Talking to a physician who operates on does these injuries on athletes, I was told it takes a year to come back from it, but often it takes 18 months to be all the way back. And if you're a running back at a high level on a team that's trying to make the college football playoff, you probably need to be all the way back to be what that team needs you to be. So it might, it just might take longer than, than what people may want. Tim Pete's uh, actual area of expertise medically is the shoulder injury on defensive players. He has long yeah. held that that is the problem in it's... sports. So no longer the ACL. Anytime it happens, uh, I just got side eye immediately. <laughs> Question from Irish Austin P. Does the Owen Wafel situation represent a more modern approach to recruiting that coach Freeman is bringing to Notre Dame or is it an aberration? Not really uh, sure. I disagree with the modern take on it. I don't think it's, I think it's, I think it's not being modern. I think you right, should right. pile up talent. I've already talked about this. I know they're saying, Hey, no one's ever been processed before. That is not true. If that's what you think is modern, they have done that plenty of times going through recruiting cycles, telling guys you remember what Brian Kelly said to us, you, you were in the room, Tim. The statute of limitations has run out on this one. 2010, December, somebody asked about Tony Hurd being in the class. And Brian Kelly said, if you were invited to a party, a Christmas party in September, and then I never contacted you again to tell you the date and time, would you think you were still invited to the party? <laughs> so they've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I think a modern approach would be collect as many defensive tackles as humanly possible, and then you can figure it out in the next two years because your roster will turn over that much. Yeah, it's not, there's nothing modern about it. It's been going on for a while. Like if, if it's just a pure process situation, like look, they had 
I think the statute of limitations probably run on Jack Nickel, even though he's in college still. Like they took him as a commitment as a tight end. And then they were like, ooh, we really like Holden Stays and Eli Raritan a lot more. We're not so it's like they go to Jack Nickel and say, We're not telling you you don't have a spot, but you're our third tight end, and we only take two usually. So what do you think? And lo and behold, he decommits and goes to Michigan State. So. And it happened with Crippen, uh, the offensive lineman, a couple yeah. of weeks ago as well. Sometimes it, you it, make bad evals, I think. You know, Cedric like, Irving. I mean, Cedric Irving. Last, it happens. It's just yeah. a thing. Yeah, you take, you take somebody you wish you didn't. Never as funny as the uh, Christmas card invitation, though. I thought that was an incredible. That was Brian Kelly's first ever uh, utterance great, to us. And I think, great first uh, impression were, there. I, I, I mean, you don't. You don't want it to happen. You would prefer that you would prefer to avoid such situations. It 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 looks bad. It makes the recruit feel bad. You know all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's 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 big boy football, and sometimes it it has to be done. You try to limit it limit it happening as much as possible. I mean, he's going to end up at Michigan too. It's not like he's you know thrown right. to the, the dumpster fire. It's, it's a pretty good situation for him. Right. We have a question from Donnelly three four three four. How how will safety play against the pass and front seven play against the run compared to twenty twenty two? How confident are you that L Golden will rotate linebackers appropriately? Fatigue clearly played a role down the stretch in late in games last year. The linebacker rotation for me is a true story going into the season. Um, whereas last year you kind of figured out it was going into the season last year too, but you figured out after talking to Golden a couple times that the backup linebackers were not trusted to play as opposed to the starters. I don't think that'll be the case this year. I also think the nickel is a starting position. You have Bertrand and Kaiser on the field a lot. Leofile on the field a lot. I'd love to see Jalen Sneed on the field a lot. He is probably that swing guy. I just don't think Nolan Ziegler comes in for Bertrand very often as opposed to that's not a rotation. There's no, there's no rotating JD Bertrand out of the middle. I think he's his backup player. And then if Kaiser moves over, does Osbury get looks at Rover as a true freshman? That probably not, but I think he could just start there next year. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Do you feel like the, the front seven is going to be better against the run this year than last year? Is, I mean, they're fairly middle of the pack last year. Um, and then you lose Foskey and both Adam Alola's. I could see them through depth and quality of I don't know. Sometimes you have guys when they're, I mean, certainly we love Isaiah Foskey, but he, he had other things on his mind during the year last year too, right? He wanted to become a pro. Like it's sometimes it's hard when you have fifth year guys with two feet out the door and Isaiah Foskey trying to break a pass reps, breaking, trying to break a sack record. And I think that's why Marcus Freeman after game six said Isaiah Foskey can do that when he wants to. It was, it was a game six or seven. They played UNLV. He didn't, he said that in a public setting. Yeah, I think the defensive line could be better against the run. I don't. I don't know if they're going to get to the passer as well without know. Isaiah yeah. Foskey. I don't, I, you know, I, I I don't know whether they're going to be. I mean, it, to your point, Pete, losing those three veteran players that I mean that's significant. Uh, I think that they'll have confidence playing Nolan Ziegler. I, I'm not saying there'll be a rotation with Jay. Right, right. But I think they'll have confidence to 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 let Ziegler whether can he spell either one of the, the two inside positions 
I, th- I just I think th- there's a lot of guys can spell the will is the reason I feel I say Mike all the time with him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that that's a guy and I, maybe I'm basing this upon what I saw in the spring, which isn't certainly always an accurate indicator of what's going to happen in the fall, but I just, my impression was, okay, I keep seeing Ziggler in there now with mixing with the ones. I, I, I think that L golden has confidence that he can be a rotational guy for them, but we'll see what happens at, at Rover. I, I, I really liked Osbury in the spring. I think he's very instinctual and natural, uh, whether that's specifically a Rover or just being a, a, a second level defender. I think he, he has those characteristics, but he's a true freshman. So not, you know, not sure yet, but I do think that they'll have confidence to insert Ziggler in there. I would just say like on the run stuff, like I was going over CFB stats for the last six years, uh, rushing yards, you know, yards per carry allowed and rushing yards per game. I realize neither of those stats are like the end all be all of rushing stats, but like they've finished in the top 30 in one of those stats once over the last six years. And I think that we would say they've had some good run defenses. So I don't I'm not really sure what the, the best metric is for that. Like maybe it's O'Malley's stuffs, or maybe it's just like rush efficiency, maybe, maybe defensive yeah, rush maybe efficiency. Yeah, I, I should probably start doing that. Like I do have those files, um, and it can help point out how they lost to Ohio State. Yeah. So Notre Dame Notre Dame had a pretty good defensive rush efficiency last year. Uh, Ohio State was efficient on 16 of their 17 first and second down runs. Yeah, that's a huge number. Um, yeah, and that's, I don't know. I, I think that they, the de- I think the defense can be good this year. I Of those two things, of the safety play against the pass and the front seven against the run, like, I'd be more optimistic about seeing an improvement from the safety play. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I yeah, think. Yeah, I like the like, two new guys. So. Like, we com- we complain about them not holding on to Wayful, but yet, you know, when they're undersized and getting gashed, then we don't like that either. And I, they're clearly, they're clearly, they're making a move to try to be longer and bigger along the defensive line. And that's a, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. And I just like, uh, not to sidetrack it, but like Seviano is not longer along the defensive line. So that that's, it's like if Seviano was like six four, I I think I might feel a little bit differently about the the swap potentially. Well, this is a great question for mid August though. After yeah. we've yeah. kind of seen the nose is a little bit different. Yeah, I mean you don't you don't want six. I don't know. <laughs> we can we can go round and round with this, but I think that clearly they're making a move to try to be a little bit longer and bigger at a defensive front, and that will help against the run. Here's a question for you, since I want to, I want to rotate the linebackers if they're available to, and it seemed like they were. I still think J.D. Bertrand, well, I know J.D. Bertrand is going to lead the defense in snaps this year, and I think Jack Kaiser will be number two. The entire defense? Yes, because I, I don't think Thomas Harper will play as much as Tariq Bracey did in terms of all. Tariq Bracey what? was going to lead the team in snaps on defense. He was going what to lead. snaps will Ben Morrison not be on the field for? Oh, yeah. Ben Morrison will be. Sorry. Ben Morrison is uh, number one. Well, one or one A. I mean, Bertrand's going to be right there, too. Yeah. Question from Dylan Murphy, 02. Who were you higher on coming out of high school? Rocco Spindler or Billy Shrouth? I was higher on Spindler out of high school and hi- higher on Shrouth after the first time meeting him. Last 
winter or whatever, whatever we remember we interviewed him with his. Yep. So yeah. it's like, yep. you played with things. Like, yeah. It didn't really bother me that much. I was just yeah. like, okay, <laughs> I like this guy. This, this, no, I, I like, like, like Spinner a lot people, coming out of high school. Like, though. Yeah. When he presented himself as sort of a, uh, aspiring Quentin Nelson, I was like, yep, I'm, I'm all on board with Billy Shroff. But I mean, Spindler was just like, that was a massive recruit for Notre Dame to get. You beat Michigan head to head for a guy from Michigan. Like I realized Shroff was big time as well, but I don't come out of high school. I'm not sure anyone would honestly say that they were higher on Shroff than they were on Spindler. Yeah. I wouldn't say that either. Um, you know, I, well, I had Spindler number one in the class and I wanted to put Shroud number one in his class. I'm trying to see where I had Shroud. And then I, then I heard, uh, I think it was via the Notre Dame coaching staff that don't, you know, don't, don't rank a guard first. So I did, I didn't with Shroud, but I mean, I, I, I certainly liked Shroud's range more than Spindler, but I mean, I loved I, lo- I loved what I thought I saw of Rocco Spindler coming out of high school. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe there's still something there. Maybe Joe Rudolph has has, has uh, unearthed something in Spindler that didn't come out, frankly, when he was really, really young as an offensive lineman yeah. under Jeff Quinn and, and Harry Heaston. I am not I'm not expecting that. I'm still the last to be on board with him coming around. Um, but I sure would like to see it. I know, I know there's a lot of Notre Dame fans that sure would like to see it since we do have a Rocco Spindler question with every podcast that we have. Yes. It's, it's, this is a good one though. This is an actual fun, relevant look back question. It's, do you think not Tim? Cause you just said it. Do you think there could be a one, a one B at all with Christophic and Spindler? Like he stand had used in the past to tackle with Kramer and Hainsey. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I think it would more likely be another guard than Spindler. Okay. Pete. I would probably agree on that one. Yeah. I just, yeah, I would agree. I'll leave it at that. Okay. That is, that is my thing to look for as we go into camp, the one, a one B scenario of rotation at guard. Are you saying you think that will happen? I think, I think there, I think there might be only because Joe Rudolph is the offensive line coach. Yes. Because Joe Rudolph is the offensive line coach and they're, they have different body types and games. I think Spindler's power next to Fisher could be enticing at times. And I think technically Andrew Christophic, I mean, Christophic has better feet and he's technically, and he's an experienced player. It's hard to cast that guy aside. I, I just, I just can't, I can't go that far based upon a handful of snaps in a blue goal game. I don't even, I'm not. I don't is, feel like Christophic uh, has been in extremely high standing in the last two years, either other than when we anointed him for coming in and not being terrible when they. Well, he definitely wasn't in high standing with Harry. Heastan. Yeah. But neither was Spindler. So that's. <laughs> they, both, they both got a new lease on life. That's the that's like the two guys that got the new lease on life. I think with the with the major change. Yeah, if they want to add an offensive guard, you're still on that one, aren't you? you, you, you I, that's I, your I, position, eighty four. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't argue an offensive guard and a defensive tackle wouldn't argue filling those last two spots with with that type of player. Question from Play Like a Champ Seven: How refreshing is it to see Marcus Freeman supporting other programs the way he does? Him standing with Jack Swarbrick. 
celebrating Notre Dame's lacrosse national championship national championship was so great to see. I think that's who Marcus Freeman is, but I uh, have now I now take it for granted that he's going to be doing those things. I don't even raise an eyebrow. That's a compliment to Marcus Freeman too, but I don't even I barely notice when he's doing those things because I think he's always going to be doing them. Yeah, and it's not. Um, I, I want to phrase this the right way. Like, I think it would be easy to it's easy to just go to the national championship game and the they went to the semifinal as well. Um, it's probably harder to go to regular season volleyball games. Yeah. Yeah, but he does that too. Um, I my, they, fam, my daughter, my daughter was at the game where he was there. She's like, "Is this Marcus Freeman for the picture?" It's like, "Ah, uh, yes, it is actually." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you run into him at men's basketball games. He's at women's basketball games all the time. He's at hockey games all the time. Um, it is, it is refreshing to see. And this is not a slight on on Brian Kelly at all. Um, it's just a commentary that college football coaches at the highest level are like they're their own athletic department and they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to spend time with you. They're like, leave them alone. Uh, and whereas Marcus Freeman is like, isn't it great that we all work together? <laughs> like you guys are awesome. <laughs> and people, people are like, what is this? Is this guy for real? Um, I, my, I have many Marcus Freeman stories since, but my favorite one last year was when he knew us from talking to him for a year. But we were walking off the field in August when we're kicked off the field, you know, after five periods, the, the yeah. feeling of, all right, you guys got to leave. We're going to start working on football now during those practice reports. Yeah, Walking off the field and I see Freeman like make eye contact with him from, and I did not know him well then. I'd make eye contact with him from 30 yards away and he like waves. <laughs> like, hey, see ya. I was like, what? that's an impossibility that someone would acknowledge somebody's leaving their practice in that situation i didn't know he was waving at me i'm like looking behind me like are you waving at me what, what's going on right here <laughs> so i just found that kind of i just think that yeah i, I don't blink when i see freeman at things he's going to keep doing it um and pete sometimes when you go to hockey games though it's part of an interview process i don't know if you know that, that might have been yeah yeah too. But, you never uh, know right. you never know who's attending the hockey game with him i no. do i do think it's genuine and i, and I think it's a sign that he you know, he buys into Notre Dame, which as a lifelong Notre Dame guy, I, I think that that's fantastic. I also think that the public opinion a year from now, if they're nine and four and he's at the national championship game for lacrosse, there will be people saying he should spend less time at the damn lacrosse national championship game and do a better job of coaching his football team, which is neither here nor there. But you know how the reaction is. It's still I, yeah. his honeymoon. I, I his honeymoon is still going on and it's a, a tribute to him that he's been able to do that. I mean, I had people text me when he was at the ACC women's basketball tournament, like what is he doing there? Hire coaches. Um, Cause I think Mason had just left and like Chucky and O'Leary were maybe, maybe not. Um, it's pretty remarkable that it's gone on as long as it's gone on. I think that it will continue to go on for a while, but like, I, you know, it's like you mentioned sort of he gets Notre Dame and that's true. I, th I think if he was like the head coach at Kansas state, he would be doing this. Stuff. I think the guy just really likes sports. Yeah, um, that's a good point. You know, it's like we, and it's whether it's the place where he is employer sports or his own kids sports. So Miley and I see him all around town at flag football and youth basketball games. Like it's wild how much he takes in. Um, it kind of gets to the, how does he, like, what are his 24 hours? Like, does he actually have 28? I don't, I don't get it. 
because he he gets to a lot of places uh, and is committed to a lot of different stuff. All right, we're going to wrap up with a question from Hayden Adams Z, and that is, who gets a statue on the Nordame campus first, Kevin Corrigan or Brian Kelly? <laughs> it's a good <laughs> shot at you, Tim. <laughs> Uh, am i like am uh, i the only guy that believes that brian kelly should have a yeah yes. yeah you are i'm not saying soon i wouldn't do it soon it would not be received well at all anytime soon is this happening again no <laughs> we are, it's, it's never it's, it's gonna happen never times <laughs> the winningest coach in the history of yeah. notre dame football no yeah. way I, I would I, go with no way a statue. Never ever. Uh, I because asked, of the way he because of the way he left or because other he he never won a national championship. Like yeah. I asked him about this in his office one summer about statues, and he's like, "You have to win a national championship to All get right, a statue here." Fair. No, that's fair. So even Brian Kelly doesn't think Brian Kelly should get Hugh a statue Rodney, in Notre Hugh Dame. Rodney's records are broken oh, every other day. It seems like. Huh? <laughs> The Notre Dame fan base would have cheered Notre Dame being like, you know what? We are going to vacate those wins. <laughs> yes. Sorry. No, I actually think that is a possibility. They, people now go on the message board and say, no, he does not have the record. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me just go on the record saying that I really don't give a damn whether Brian Kelly gets a statue or not. <laughs> I'm just, I really don't. And I'm not, I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying. We need to ask Hayden break. Adams via Twitter if he was taking a shot or not, because he'll tell us the truth. That, He's an ex, ex, uh, and, observer and I'm writer. I'm going to more shots just for addressing it here now. But <laughs> yeah. I, when you break the all-time win record at the University of Notre Dame set by Newt Rockney, I think that's a little bit eye-opening. That's all. That's all I'm saying. He's got his name on the indoor facility on that little donor side. He does. Let me put it this way. They took down the giant picture of Brian Kelly when you walk up the stairs at the Goog already. Not the Goog. Yeah, there's not a lot of Brian Kelly signage. Yeah. Well, Nordame, <laughs> Nordame, no, nobody turns their back on former coaches quite like Nordame does. <laughs> I mean, and really, Nordame is the king of turning their backs uh. on former Nordame coaches. And I get it. I get it. I'll take all the punishment from people. That's fine. I don't care whether Brian Kelly has a statue or not. Uh, just as long as he conducts an interview with me when I request it. I, I want to wrap up this by saying we talked about Rocco Spindler and a Brian Kelly statue again during a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, uh, we're not even paying any credence to Kevin Corrigan getting a statue. Yeah. Also, like. Muffet McGraw needs a statue first, and then we can go to Absolutely. Kevin Corgan. Yep. Absolutely. Now, where that would be placed, that's a little bit. Is there a gate know. 10 spot? Is there a gate it's 10 spot? It's got a like, lo lobby of the Purcell Pavilion, like when you walk in. Yeah, like, that's what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. Maybe it's not outside Nordame football, Nordame State. No, no, no. no. Right. Like, well, I was trying to figure out if gate 10 could be tucked away. It's not tucked away enough, though. You're right. It faces the football stadium too much. Um, gate 8, where people enter Purcell? The new, you know, the I could say it's yeah, new. It's fifteen yeah, yeah, years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. The main entrance for right. There are plenty of spots. Yeah, that sounds good. Hey, we ran long today, but we appreciate everybody listening. Just a note: uh, we will be coming back a week from today, not on Monday. We'll be coming back on Tuesday, June. What is that? Sixth. Tuesday, June sixth, to conduct another Irish Illustrated Insider podcast, and we thank you for joining us today. This has been Irish Illustrated.
Insider Podcast. Looking for a perfect afternoon getaway outside of Dublin City? Explore Dunleary and many other places with the Do Dublin Freedom Card. Get a 72-hour pass for public transport services including bus, dart, train and the tram line known as the Lewis. Plus, you'll receive a 48-hour ticket for Dublin's best hop-on, hop-off city tour. Book your Freedom Card now at dodublin.ie forward slash Irish Illustrated and enjoy the freedom to explore.